Really at Jam City, we want to treat the players first and foremost. We really care about their experiences. That comes down to ad quality and what type of ads they're seeing. We want to make sure that the performance is there. A waterfall management does take a lot of time. The big drawback is the back and forth with networks, obviously the uh, analysis behind it, and not always is the juice worth the squeeze, so to speak. That was Kyle. Kyle is the Senior Director of Ad Monetization from Jam City, and he uses IronSource's platform to automate his monetization and grow game revenue. That is time that is really maximized and could theoretically be a 50 to 100% to 2x increase in overall ad revenue. Theoretically, Level Play just automates a lot of that. That is a huge time sink for a lot of our teams. Want to grow like Jam City? Get the SDK on ironslc.com. That's ironslc.com. It's easy to make good choices when you have good insights, right? Well, AppSlyer's open platform provides the measurement, analytics, engagement, and fraud protection technologies you need to get the answers to all of your questions and make good choices for your business and customers. Is customer privacy important for you? Good. With AppSlyer, you can accurately measure your marketing while protecting customer privacy. Bringing in new customers is great. Getting accurate insights while protecting your customers' privacy is even better. AppSlyer's privacy-preserving measurement and cost aggregation technologies give you insights you can count on across channels, platforms, and devices. And here's something we all agree on. When it comes to the marketing, you should only pay for what works. AppSlyer's incremental lift testing makes it easy to make good choices for your marketing budget through accurate, unbiased insights into the true value of your marketing outcomes. Are you ready to start making good choices? Great. Go to appslier.com and get yourself an attribution partner you deserve. Welcome everybody to This Week in Games, episode 164. We're kicking off this new year in a very, very, like 50% positive because both of the Eric's got COVID. We got the Texas Eric recently just uh, exiting quarantine after COVID. And then we got the San Francisco Eric also catching a COVID. So what's up, guys? How are you feeling? <laughs> uh, I'm feeling great post-COVID. I got natural immunity now. I'm triple vax plus natural immunity. You're I've got to be yeah. Yeah. Just bulletproof at this point. Yeah, you're, you're like Superman, you know. Uh, actually, I, I, you know, by, we uh, we have been like extra careful because we have like 89 year old mom and her dad is like 81 and she's she has a cancer survivor over the last co couple years, and so we've been like fucking locked it down and never like really really taking it easy on this. But I guess finally we just said enough's enough, so we went to our Christmas party. And this Christmas party, I swear to God, it was like the United Nations. Like, it was like every, she's in a vet practice, and she has like all these doctors from like India, from Pakistan, from South Africa, from Sudan. I mean, I'm not <laughs> exaggerating when I say this is the United Nations of Christmas parties. And we still don't really understand who was spreading it, but everybody got COVID. And so they had to shut down the hospital for five days. It was, it was, it was brutal. Oh, man. Did, did um, you spread it or did they got it before you got it? No, no. There, there was someone at the party that had it that spread it to everyone else. And 
we kind of think it was actually one of the people that worked there because anyway, but we don't know who knows, right? It doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, the point of the story is, is that what sucks is that my wife got it and she was sorry. The good news is my wife got it and she is fine, right? She got over it in a few days. It was kind of brutal. My kids got it almost immediately after, but it took me like five or six days before I got it. So like, yeah. I was like, I was delayed. So basically I ended up like, quarantine the whole time rather than like half the time like my 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 family so anyway it totally sucked but um but uh it all it all worked out everyone got it pretty the kids got it really mild i'm actually the one that got it the worst at, at the end um so anyway and then uh, after, it's the, after it's all, the bmi it's the bmi man <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> Now, after all that, I went to a basketball. What level did you get to in Final Fantasy fourteen? I didn't. I didn't even. Play. Oh come on! <laughs> I didn't play any games at all this whole time. Why not? That's like the perfect excuse. No. You know what? I, there's something about playing games when you're sick. It's just not as fun, right? I, I don't know why. I I don't feel as like. In, I rather just lay down and be passive rather than active when I'm oh, sick. Sure. But maybe that's just me. I I finally what? got it. Like because because it was a Christmas break and. Um, I try not to get to PC games because it's like overwhelming and they just suck up all the time. And I was I was reading like we were flying to you know we we're Dubai and whatnot. So I was reading this book about Spartans, like you know all the bullshit that I read. And then I remembered <laughs> that I took that I installed the uh, Total War Troy back when it was free on Epic. So I was just like, let me fire that up. Oh my god, how much time did I waste it? Fucking reconquering Greece and <laughs> building these <laughs> strategies. <laughs> It's like the and negotiating different barters on wheat and stone. It's like fuck. So so I know people are like, are you gonna do the predictions this year? Like, yeah, they're coming in a little bit late. You can blame <laughs> Epic for giving Total War for free. <laughs> so uh, so predictions are incoming, but late due to Total War. My um my mine was very mild. I didn't even know I had. I didn't have any symptoms. And then we were supposed to go to my buddy's wedding. Uh, and so I was like, okay, I'll test before I go to the wedding. So I don't end up, you know, killing grandma from the chicken dance or something. <laughs> and, uh, and it was positive. I'm like, oh man, give me a break. And actually the only reason I even tested, cause I, I wasn't going to test. I mean, I had zero symptoms, but GoPuff was, uh, it was just like a, you know, 10 minute grocery delivery app. They just launched in Austin and they were offering like half off on COVID tests. And so I was like, oh, I'll get some. And so I got them in like 10 minutes and I took one. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm positive. And then I had my wife take one. I had my son take one. We were all positive. So we had to skip the wedding, unfortunately. Um, <clears throat> but I think the way – so we did like a – there's like a winery. There's like a – I hate to say this, but the, the, the Texas's version of Sonoma is like two hours away. It's, it's – you know, it doesn't even come close. And, you know, I probably can never set foot again in California after saying that. <laughs> but, like, they have a bunch of wineries, and it's like just, you know, you go down this one road, like highway, and there's like 20 wineries or whatever. We did that, like – two days before and we, you know, I'd, I'd hired a car service and I think the driver had it because every, cause a bunch of my friends from high school, we all kind of met up and did that all day. Everyone got COVID. Everyone oh, in the car right. got COVID wow. and everyone had tested before going that day. We all tested to make yeah. sure yeah. we didn't have COVID. And so I think the driver had it. And so I feel like I should get my money back. Like, you know, the guy did drive us around all day, but he also gave us COVID. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't. He gave I didn't you natural it. immunity. Let's, let's, let's be honest. Yeah. You're all good now. <laughs> But I started playing Red Dead Redemption again because I mm -hmm. so I finished. I, I talked about like two weeks ago. I finished uh, Days Gone. Then I was like, okay, well, I'll finish Grand Theft Auto Five because um, I never finished that. I finished that, and then I was like, all right, man, what am I gonna play? And I was looking in the store. I didn't see anything cool. 
And so it's like, all right, I'll, I'll finish Red Dead Redemption. Red Dead Redemption, and that game is just so boring. I think I don't know. It just it's really you're talking about the slow. second one, right? Not the first one. Yeah, two, two. Yeah, yeah not one. Yeah. No, I, I also really found the pacing slow, and the whole like no fast travel thing. Right. They, is, they never they fixed that? that. They never yeah. fixed that, huh? Well, they yeah. had to, but you had to go to a train station. Like, yeah. I don't know. It just it, felt like it was wasting so much time. Right. It's, and it's like you know. Especially like because I like open world games, right? But I want to be able to travel quickly. I don't want to be spending, you know, thirty minutes on a horseback, you know, at like yep. a slow clip. And then right? and, like run over like five people and get <laughs> yeah. a huge bounty on you. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. What, I, I, what, did you did you think there's like teleport devices back in the Wild Wild West? Is that is that <laughs> is that on. the immersion that you wanted from your game? Yeah. Well, on. I don't. It doesn't need to be perfectly immersed. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you just have me. Even you know, in fast forward or something. Just, teleport it just happens right. <laughs> I'm just joking. Yeah. but anyway that game's just so boring i couldn't i got i i i'd only and i looked at how far i was in the story mode i was like eight percent along i'm like i'm never gonna finish this game, this game. <laughs> i've had it for like two years so well i'm in need of a new reason, game yeah the the, the re, well try total war troy uh anyways play uh elden ring that's open world you'll, you'll enjoy that one <laughs> <laughs> the, the the long ice break is due to the fact that we don't really have any any news to talk about. <laughs> no, we do we do a couple. So let's let's jump in, guys, to the update. So um, this happened last year. So some of the stuff from last year, Rec Room, a social gaming platform, where actually uh, we did a podcast um, a few episodes ago with the ex head of App Store. He, he's currently heading BD at Rec Room. So they raised 145 million at a three. 0.5 billion valuation so definitely um a very high valuation i haven't personally tried rec room to my understanding it's like um it's like a roblox for uh, older people not not even roblox it's not like roblox a second is it like second world time, it's a fucking you know. chat room dude i mean it's a 3d life. chat room it's second life with like yeah second life dude it's like that's is a lot it metaverse? of that, that's a that oh it is a metaverse play for sure but that's a lot of valuation to run into since they generate like zero revenue right or i, I don't want to throw shade but they generate a very small amount of revenue so um, so but 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 it's a metaverse so that's that's usually yeah, enough it and, is and, I mean, it hits it hits all the buttons dude all all the injuries and buzzwords in one <laughs> in one so so congrats company. to rec room that's that's plenty of fuel to to b continue building the metaverse quick um, quick note on that so that was led by kotu uh which oh, is, the you know, big head and the hedge fund uh -huh. guys yeah 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 no that's it's public yeah yeah that's public not you know yeah. inf information so they just uh they're all in on crypto like kotu is they did the OpenSea uh investment that just got announced yesterday at like like a 13 billion dollar valuation right. so i mean there's some of these these big funds or like you know these pools of capital that that are just all in on crypto and it's just bidding the price of some of these assets up so much yeah, and then the person, by the way, from Rec Room is Mike Schmidt, and actually talking about people from Rec Room, another person who I know, uh, Brian Sapp, who headed um, performance or he headed marketing at Jam City, correct? It was uh, VP of UA at Jam City. VP of UA. So that's kind of like uh, my donkey bridge, Jam City, because they just unveiled their blockchain division <laughs> and a first NFT game called Champions Ascension. So that is now, I, I, I'm not sure how, what, it, what it's called, but when a game gets announced, essentially you can buy the NFT. So there's like a, like they monetize even before anything is, is out there. So now they're in the phase of, of you can buy these champions and, and they're gonna slowly drip them 
and um, and then the game is actually going to come after you've purchased the champions. So uh, very interesting, uh, interesting way these these blockchain games are being launched. Um, and talking about another, <laughs> kind of just donkey bridges here. Uh, talking talking another about another uh, LA-based game publisher. Scopely is looking for director of corporate development, focusing on blockchain gaming. So so LA is all in on, on blockchain gaming. Um, if you're that type of a person, you should go to Scopely's webpage and and definitely apply for the uh, for the uh, career in blockchain gaming corporate development. All right, uh, and zooming out of, of all the uh, blockchain stuff, around 14,000 Chinese game studios got shut down due to licensing freeze. We've been actually following through the, uh, through the months here on, on the podcast, and that is the CCP getting uh, more and more aggressive towards gaming, uh, especially domestic gaming market in China, not approving updates, not giving um, approval for new game launches and just being incredibly strict, uh, bringing these top publishers to the table and telling them kind of how to how to move along, etc. It's basically what we've been saying. It's that the market is getting more and more challenging for for domestic development, and we'll see more and more of these companies pushing to Western markets. Chris, this I, I hate to sound really super ignorant on this, but fourteen thousand sounds like a lot to me, doesn't it? I mean, <laughs> that's a lot of small companies, but I guess China's huge, but all fourteen thousand companies. Yeah, I'd love to games. love to look at that list. I think oh. it's 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 games and games subsidiaries or, or sisters. Uh, yeah, I, I remember reading that this is uh, like like even last year there was eighteen thousand. So it also compares to the previous year of twenty twenty, where eighteen thousand firms deregistered throughout the whole year. So this is um, a little bit of a clickbaity title, to be honest, because if it was eighteen thousand last year and fourteen thousand this year, then what are we talking about? Uh, it's kind of I, but I, I guess the, the real headline here is that China is cracking down on gaming in their exactly. country. And exactly. this is the impact of having an authoritarian, authoritarian like communist regime in charge of the businesses in the, in the state. So like this is what what do you think is going to happen? Of course, this is going to happen, right? Like anyway. I wish they would have cracked down on me playing Troy. Like I would have saved so much, so much time if they would have just said, stop it, stop doing it. Like you're not bartering with. Uh, right. So, um, uh, Chris. All right. So, quick update: Jack, Jack Trenton, who's a former uh, Sony exec, uh, created a two hundred fifty million dollar SPAC. <laughs> what could go wrong? What could go wrong? I have no idea. Like SPACs have done so well in the marketplace, right? But the details are pretty sparse. You know, basically what they do is they raise this money and then they try to find an investment, right? And so the company is called Power Up and they're looking, quote unquote, to looking to acquire a company in the interactive media space that focuses on video games, um, but could ultimately choose any company in any industry is what this perspective says. Um, now, I actually kind of like Jack Trenton, but he is OG, man, old school, like, uh, traditional publishing guy. So if if they end up buying a studio that does traditional games, I think that's not that interesting. But if he tries to do a little bit something more creative, uh, that would be cool. Um, but we'll see what happens. Uh, but SPACs have been a fucking absolute train wreck of epic proportions. So um, with, I think there's no exception to that statement. But I may I may be wrong on that. But the, the majority of them are down like dramatically from where they are because SPACs make no sense fundamentally. But um, but we will see uh, what Jack can come up with. Frankly, Jack is the type of person that should be like, taking charge of Activision or something like you know that. 
that's probably he'd be better suited, but whatever. Anyway. Well, well, he's he's older, right? He's like 71. Yeah, maybe. I was looking at the prospectus, and I mean, that, that's what that's what you do with this. I mean, not to be ageist, I guess, but like that's that's the the strategy with the SPAC is you usually get someone who's like, well, they don't want to do it full time, and they're usually kind of retired and already like very wealthy. But they their name lends a lot of credibility to the project. And so they're the CEO and like it's, you know, hey, look at this person. They have such a long track record. And that's kind of what gets people excited to invest into it. And then, you know, the people running it are, are not necessarily the, you know, is, is, is kind of like the, the other exec team. I, I took a look at the SPAC when it was floating around um, a couple months ago. But I, I tried to get an allocation to invest into it, but I couldn't because um, it was totally oversubscribed but uh the team is pretty amazing so you've got matthew ball is, um by the way what is matthew ball's background is he actually ever worked in video games strategy at amazon game studios right that was it no he amazon Studios, so the 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 film studios oh so he's actually never made a video game but he's considered an expert in video games is that i, mean, he's, <laughs> I don't i don't know if he's i mean i don't know if he's ever worked i don't i don't believe so I, although he was a i believe he was a producer on the genvid Facebook game that came out a couple months ago. Anyway, continue. Sorry. But anyway, so He's... Matthew Ball's chief strategy officer, Anna Sweets, a board member. Very, you know, it's a very exciting team. Uh, a lot of smart people. Uh, and my sense is that if Matthew Ball's involved, there's probably some connection to the metaverse theme, right? I mean, that's that's what kind of piece focused on. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, again, like a SPAC, they they form, and and you're sort of like legally obligated to not have a target in mind when you raise the money. Um, and so then, you know, you raise the money, you go find some interesting deals. And if you can't find any interesting deals, then, uh, the spec, you de-spec. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, we'll, we'll see what I'm excited to see what, what, what they, uh, what they end up doing. It sounds like an absolute train wreck just saying, but, um, all right. Uh, Madden, Madden passed away. Rest in peace. Uh, New York times actually had a huge piece on Madden and the football game and the history of that. You know, they started in 1988. 88 uh, on Apple II uh, with the first Madden. And it, what, what's cool is the story has lots of anecdotal stories about Madden because he's su- quite a character, right? T- super forced to be reckoned with. And um, from my perspective, though, I do remember many, many times looking at that license to see if it was worth it, right? Whether to make, keep Madden on the, on the, on the, on the, on the, yeah on the box uh made sense but he always bring bring credibility to the franchise and he got more and more popular when after he became after he was a coach and when he became an announcer um but you know what the the funny part was and not to speak ill of the dead but we had the biggest concern we had that he would drop dead of a heart attack because the guy was like the worst shape ever dude he was like morbidly obese and like just, just really, just smoker, drinker, but whatever. For his whole life, if you see pictures of him, like in college, yeah, he's yeah. got the big double chin. I mean, he's been huge. Yeah. He, I'm actually surprised he lived that to be that long. Or no, he I, lived that long. Yeah, and, and that was our biggest concern. Is like, yeah, that would, that would, that would, you know, hurt our hurt the brand, I suppose. But, um, but he bring the, a lot of credibility to the franchise early, and his commentating was always like spot on. Um, and he's and he's one of the strongest brands in in, in sports, uh, and 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 I think that that name will continue. You know, what um, was his deal structure with with EA? Did he? I, like I think a... it was like a two or three percent thing. I think something like that. But then ultimately, I think we we we, we basically bought out the license for the game or something for some lump sum or something. I can't remember, dude. It's been too long. But uh, but it wasn't that much at the end of the day. 
Um, all right, the last one, I don't know why I'm covering such things, but Riot reached an agreement, uh, $100 million <laughs> for sexual harassment. This was 10x the proposed settlement of 10 million that they asked for, but the original asking was 400 million. Um, so under terms of the agreement, Riot's gonna pay 80 million uh, to the class uh, and then 20 million for uh, attorney's fees as well as some contingencies. Um, so anyway, anybody that there was uh, a woman that worked with them between 2014 to the present, you know, has, has a piece of that pie. And you have to remember, Riot like was initiated all this 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 controversy and and you know the starting of the claims against uh, the gaming industry, um, and then obviously we've seen a lot more from Ubisoft and Activision, etc. Um, so uh, glad they got to a, a good, rather large settlement, frankly, um, for this sort of thing. Uh, oh wow! So hopefully I didn't know that the details. Like 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 every woman gets a percentage till this date, and there is like no okay. Because I thought that, like, one of the things, you know, we had Angela Roseborough on the podcast, which is a really great episode. Uh, she's from Riot. And I thought that at some point they kind of crossed the bridge and they, you know, became more inclusive and fixed a lot of things. So, uh, interesting. No, no, I'm sure they've fixed a lot of things since then, right? But this, this thing, lawsuit's been going on since, uh, mm -hmm. I think, 2000, I don't know, 18? Something like that? I don't, I, yeah. I don't want to. And well, so, we, yeah. If, so if it just takes a long like time. 2019 or, or afterwards. And anyways, uh, good for them. Um, hopefully this this kind of continues them on, on a good path. But interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Adam, what do you got? Um, Rainmaker.gg did a year in review for streaming. Uh, viewership hours for Twitch increased 45% from 2020. So roughly 16.6 .6 billion to 24. And um, interestingly, we talked about this briefly before, Eric, you, you caught me onto this. Facebook gaming grew as well, 47%, and has now gone from 3.6 billion hours watched to 5.3 billion. Um, so you can see the rough ratio there in terms of size, which is really impressive given that just how dominant Twitch is, Facebook gaming is getting a, a, a foothold. And I think the Mixer acquisition actually worked out pretty well for them. You know, the problem with, with Twitch is, is, is they're not innovating at all like i don't i mean i i watch a lot of twitch um you know during the pandemic uh during lockdown i started watching a lot of uh, a lot of stand-ups comedians uh moved to twitch um they started doing twitch comedy shows uh a lot of comedy clubs you know pursued pursued that that avenue um but i mean i, I watch a lot of gaming content on twitch too and and there's not i don't know what 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 pro i can't i can't i don't think i can point to any like substantive new product feature that Twitch has rolled out in the last two years. I mean, they've got subscriptions, they've got tipping. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what's in it for creators beyond that. Now, Facebook is throwing a lot of money at creators, right? Um, and uh, and but also they've just they've 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 done a lot. I feel like with that product in the last year. Uh, what, does Facebook the, Gaming right? have any sort of like drops system like Twitch does? The Twitch drop system? Do you know what mm, that is? I don't. I don't believe so. No, I don't think it's, Facebook does. Yeah, that that feature I think is one of the most impactful ones on Twitch from the last. I think it's been more than two years, but yeah, when, when they was... when they like when Apex Legends or when Valorant launches, if you watch X amount of hours, then you can unlock a key for the beta. In the case of Valorant, or you're unlocking cosmetics. You look at what Rust is doing and what uh, Tarkov does during their their drops. It's really really impressive how they can they can really really spike viewership. So it's just, I, yeah, yeah. For, for me, I, I agree, the feature but was, was a, a strong integration. 
yeah, that was a game changer, but that was five years ago. That was February 2017. Okay, yeah. So that, I mean, that I think is... building upon that feature um, in the last two years. So that's probably what I would be pointing to. What, Maybe, who... I mean, they... yeah, go ahead. No, what the hell is their demographic on Facebook, right? I mean, it's not a cool brand for kids, right? I mean, but like, who are they actually appealing to? Well, the, Facebook's got the benefit of you already being there. And so they can just sort of jam the stuff in your feed and then they see what oh, you respond to. And then they, 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 they shift your games, you know, footage to whatever you've responded to in the past. But um, it's also like, I feel like it's just way more fluid too. Like the, the Facebook gaming experience seems like less clunky and more fluid than, than Twitch's. Right, because you can scroll, you can minimize, you keep scrolling, and Facebook, you stay within. I mean, I feel, I feel like that's it's, it's like almost like a clubhouse kind of situation, right? Like Twitter Spaces is so much more convenient to use than Clubhouse. First of all, you had to discover Clubhouse clubs or rooms or whatever on Twitter. That's where they got announced, and then you had to like exit that app, go to the Clubhouse app. With Twitter Spaces, you can keep it minimized while you're continuing to scroll Twitter, and it's it's much more convenient to use. But like Facebook gaming, it doesn't surprise me. Just given like the 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 i don't know just i maybe this is just like a, a very sort of subjective uh assessment here but like it feels like facebook gaming is a lot more comfortable to use than, than twitch um and, and i also just think twitch is stagnant i don't think they've, they've done anything they haven't innovated in years and maybe maybe this is all mobile driven too huh For yeah facebook. of course yeah 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 that makes sense I, I i just think that like twitch is just such more of a destination with the app as well as a web spread web presence but okay um, only call out from the data as well. GTA five was the number one game, um, for 2021, which is impressive because a lot of that has been dream, uh, been driven by the community, uh, with mods, yeah. not and, by the game what, itself. GTA, GTA online. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and then Valorant, um, was number four, um, which is impressive. Um, so that's the, did, did anybody, what? uh, stream total war or is that niche? No, no me? one streams. I, I can do total that still. <laughs> if you want, you can. Uh, yeah. Nobody streams that. <laughs> Maybe in Germany. Uh, Maybe in Germany. <laughs> <laughs> they play that in civilization. Yeah. yeah. Over Square over Enix uh, also say that now blockchain will be a major strategic theme for them in 2022. Um, if you read the text um, that the CEO talked about, it, it does actually feel pretty earnest. It, does, it doesn't just feel like he's brushing this over. Um, but we'll see how much it actually turns into action. But overall, the CEO seems very interested in the space. Um, talking in, in summary, a major trend in gaming going forward. And that building such titles into Square Enix's portfolio, as well as traditional games, will be a major strategic theme for us starting in 2022. There was a lot of backlash uh, for that, as as it seems to be with anything where AAA comes yeah, out. That's PC blockchain. console. <laughs> just, in, yeah. just insane backlash. Yeah, it's funny because you get a lot of backlash from like the Kotaku kind of, you know, <laughs> Those cadre of. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so. Yeah. They've lost their way. <laughs> they don't know where the juice is. They have no idea where where's the juice. <laughs> but you know, if you read like if you if you read that stuff, it's from it's the same. And this is like I mean I wrote about this a couple of weeks ago. Um, but the arguments that they're making are like the same. They're they're going and then they're just like they're just like dredging up old free to play arguments. Yeah, exactly. When they talk about this, it's like you've said this before. It obviously wasn't true. Like I'm hearing the same shit I heard in 2011. 
I, 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 yeah. the only big in, in this case, this is one where it is false equivalency, with, like or it's true equivalency with the emergence of free to play. That there's just this knee jerk reaction from this fan base on premium console to just dismiss this, and that if they're not just building single player premium games right. based on their beloved IP, then they're doing it all wrong. The, the, right, I, start, I got into it. But, yeah. but hold on, hold on. They're still out of touch with free-to-play just in general, though, right? Like, any type of... Like, they have no idea what the world is like right now in terms of, like, how people play on Call of Duty or Valorant or Apex or... Like, it goes beyond their ability to understand, um, you know, the, the new things that are going on with blockchain and NFTs, right? And so, like, they're just, like, dinosaurs, like, living in their own, like, little, like, dream world, right? But if... Um, the good thing that I'm not seeing, and the minute I see this, we will like cover it like pretty profoundly, is when they start talking about, oh, this is going to destroy the traditional console market, right? <laughs> if those type of arguments, like like blockchain is going to destroy the traditional console markets, like when that starts, when those debates start happening, then we, then we'll get on them. But um, but that's not happening. But Kotaku is just. I don't follow Kotaku anymore. They're just useless. We're now. not even talking about Kotaku. Oh, I thought you were talking about. The... I no, I, it, I, I, but I didn't, it wasn't Kotaku specifically. But like, you, you got all these journalists that cover gaming that are kind of like of that mindset, right? They're like, this no, is no, the game. Yeah, Kotaku is the worst. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, I, sure. But, but I think you mentioned that a couple of times oh. now. <laughs> I, I yeah, but but it's it's just like you, the leading the charge or these kind of like these journalists that like their belief is a game looks like a fucking box that you buy from Best Buy in 2008, yeah. right? And that, that's not a game. Any, like, or the definition of a game has expanded way beyond that, right? Um, and, like, they're not even accepting the free-to-play cycle. Like, that, that, that to them has not happened yet. Like, they haven't recognized it. They haven't come to so terms just, with that. Isn't that what I just said? They're, they're still talking about PC package goods yeah. with, with the fucking wheel in which you're right. authenticating yeah. your, your install. Like, they're, they're, right. they're, they're out of their minds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, it's just like, it's just, it's, it's, it's just, it's just antiquated thinking. But, right. But and I like, say, like yeah. on the other side, there's the, sorry for cutting you off, sir, but on the other side, there's the free to play developers, like, you know, Ethan Levy, for example, who, who says that, that, blockchain gaming is exactly what happened with free to play so they're kind of like doing the opposite in the sense that yeah. these are the exact same steps that happened with free to play you didn't believe it back into then and look what happened afterwards right uh, etc etc so kind of like you know both have this narrative and just stick with it and yeah and, well it, you know. it's it's flawed logic on either side right well yeah, I, exactly. on the on the on the hater side the knee-jerk hater side there's there's just like this this uh, appeal to uh you know the olden days or whatever it's just mm -hmm. people like no remember when we played games in our jammies and and we got a new uh you know boxed game from best buy every christmas that was that was you know that was the best right it's you know and 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 on the other side it's like well hey you know what else was small at one point and grew into a big thing the internet therefore crypto is going to be like the internet because it's small like it just makes no sense. It's just flawed logic, right? It's just it's, it's, there's this weird, uh, you know, survivorship bias that that they that they sort of rely on, and you see that all the time. I mean, and a lot of these people, like, there's just I've been thinking about this this idea recently. They're like, there's like there's like an asymmetry to the arguments, right? So like the crypto people that are that are you know they write the the bro code, you know, that, remember that bro speak phenomenon on LinkedIn a while back? It'd be like, uh, you know, I was crushed, period, and then next line. Um, uh, it all happened so fast, 
and then you had to like click to because it was just like they would just it, it, you get that on, on twitter all these people speaking this bro speak style like uh for for web two you asked um what's a user for web three you ask um i don't know <laughs> what's a what's a token you know like that kind of shit and, and but like there's an asymmetry to this because the the people that are that are shilling web three the hardest they obviously own crypto assets right like they're they're they're, they're talking their book right and they want to bring more people into the ecosystem because their assets gain in value right but the people that are kind of pushing back and wait maybe we should be skeptical wait maybe you know here here's some here's some valid criticism well they don't own anything right and so they don't really care like if web3 blows up well they don't really care i mean they don't have they don't own anything they'll have missed out on it but they're not going to lose anything if it if it completely implodes and so there's just like an asymmetry so like you're going to of course you're going to be more enthusiastic if you own this shit and you're trying to drive up the value of it Right. Versus if you're just take, if you're just taking a skeptical eye, why would you be that motivated to go on Twitter and, and constantly battle people? You're not going to gain anything from that. It's just a waste of your time and a waste of your mental energy. Right. And that's why the people that are the most like passionately critical of Web3 are like insane. Because why? What is the benefit of doing that? That's a waste <laughs> of your fucking time. Like they're just they're just they're just like, uh, you know, obviously insane. Because they're just, it's, it'd be like if you took up the opposite side of something that people are enthusiastic about, about that, that had no relation to your life, and then just screamed about it all the time. Every time you met somebody, every time you met somebody, like, it, 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 but it had no impact on your life, whichever way it went. That's an insane behavior. Like, I can understand why <laughs> but, you know, okay. people are really, yeah, go ahead. Wow, Mr. Eric's just, the smart Eric's getting a little angry. I, I, no, no, I'm not. I'm not getting angry, but I'm just. I'm just saying. Just let me finish real quick. But there, there's, 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 there's an obvious incentive present when someone is very bullish in Web three because most of the time those people own a lot of crypto assets. Like the only, and so there's, there's obviously an imbalance in the people that are very passionate about Web three and the people that are like very, very, you know, vociferously critical. Because why would you be? If you didn't care, if you had no skin in the game, why would you be on Twitter screaming at people? I hate Web three. It doesn't make it, it to be an insane position. There's, and there, there's a handful of people that have done that. And they look insane because it's an insane thing to do. The All people right, well, that are shilling Web3, they're going to make money if it works. And so that I, makes I, sense to me. I get it. What you're, trying to, what you're saying is the people that are supporting it obviously have a vested interest. But you don't really understand why people are, not, that are against it because they have nothing, no skin in the game. But what, I think what a lot of these guys, a lot of the traditional publisher guys like Pocket Gamer back in the day and then, and then now Kotaku and, and some of the other like really like established players they think it's an existential threat to their gaming right they think that all these things are going to infect every every franchise that they love and it's going to destroy the art right of, of gaming i mean that's they're always their 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 thesis but that doesn't even really happen all that much so these are all opt-in shit you know like it's yeah. not you know there's lots of lots of things for them but they feel like it's an ex existential threat and they need to like speak you know loudly against it even though they don't really even understand but to be honest, it. the actual existential threat to the way that they enjoy playing games is development budgets and expectations. Yeah. Right. Like right. the traditional gaming market will hurt itself by demanding the types of budgets, like the last of us guys talking about $200 million budgets, right? Like that's what hurts that. Industry. Right now, now, but there is evidence that they are not wrong, right? Like the ghost recon fiasco before this NFT stuff happened, yeah. ghost recon, like forced in these free to play mechanics in the game and fucking destroyed it, right? Destroyed it. And everyone was upset because the game fucking sucked. Okay. I mean, it was so bad that it destroyed 
it, it hurt their IP and it hurt their brand loyalty of these people. And so that's why they get so upset when you start adding NFTs because it's already happened to them. So I don't know, I'm just defending them, but like, I, I, you know, I understand, but this NFT, all this stuff, all this blockchain stuff is probably not for them anyway. So let's just let it, let it live, let it go. Um, yeah, it's but, also just never, it's demonstrably not true that these cycles don't destroy the old order. They just expand the sort of, you know, right, gaming right. ecosystem, that, right? That, that's, that's, that's what I would have argued back in the day with mobile uh, free-to-play was that it's not going to replace, it's going to improve the, right. the demographic expansion of gaming like that had already been taking place for years with the 3DS and and PS2 and, and Wii and stuff where the demos continue to grow and mobile created an even bigger uptick in, in, in demographic growth, right? And and I, I still think blockchain is still super niche. And so the only risk I see with blockchain just from a more broader perspective is that there, people are not gonna make free-to-play games. I mean, people are gonna move from mobile free-to-play to blockchain stuff and there's just gonna be less uh, bodies going against you know the free-to-play market, but that's still evolutionary. That's not like, gonna you know create the collapse of anything you know so anyway whatever. right I, exactly that was just that kind of like is it seg it circles back to what i was what i originally the point i was making is these these journalists you know they're they're pretending like these free-to-play people don't exist already right and so it's right. weird like because that one you know i was on twitter last night and this guy made this this comparison is like well this is just like when microtransactions got added to games <laughs> and i was like well and he's like, well, gamers hate microtransactions. I'm like, what, what planet are you living on? Like, mobile <laughs> gaming is bigger than console. And, like, now there's microtransactions in console, too. So, obviously, they don't hate them. They, they enjoy them and they engage with them. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? Like, you missed free-to-play completely. And now you're, 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 you're premising this as if microtransactions were this failed experiment that just disappeared forever because people hated them so much. Meanwhile, mobile eclipsed console games. What yeah, mobile's like fifty percent of the market, right? P yeah, fifty-two. Uh, anyway, well, I we're people exactly going to talk same. about the, the size of the market and everything that is going on. So, uh, should yeah, yeah. we jump into that? In or would you want me to? Let me do my my quick updates things, go, and then we can ahead. jump into to Nuzu. Um, no, let's do so, Nuzu in the last because let's save the best for the, for the yeah, last. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I got no, quick I got, news. By the way, I, I got nothing on this one. I don't know why you're thinking I'm. I, I, this is what because Nuzu Candace, does. Because Candace left Nuzu, you have nothing to no, say no, no. anymore. About. This is this is what Nuzu does. Nuzu, I, I'm not going to argue with this. Not okay. All right. All right. Anyways. <laughs> Okay, folks, let's take a little break from the conversation, talk about your post-IDFA cross-platform strategy. More specifically, how you're going to monetize that sweet console and PC audience of yours. Well, here's where Player One comes to the picture, providing a huge revenue opportunity for developers and publishers. In fact, it's the only engagement and monetization platform designed to reward free-to-play console and PC gamers. Now I know what you're thinking. Players don't want to watch ads on console and PC. Well, that's actually not true. According to extensive surveys with players who are playing the most popular AAA free-to-play games, Player One found an overwhelming desire, 77% to be accurate, by gamers to have an option to earn free in-game content in exchange for watching 15 to 30 second advertisements. Now, the second thing you're thinking about is that you don't want to show other games to your console and PC players. Well, Player One got you covered once again. 
Firstly, the platform lets gamers decide if they want to watch TV quality brand sponsored videos inside their favorite titles in exchange for cool in-game items and awesome content. Secondly, as I said, Player One's inventory is purely of TV quality brand sponsored videos, so you won't have to worry about churn or build segmentation profiles. Plus, given the fact that the majority of free-to-play players on PC and console never actually spend any money in the live service area of those games, Player One is providing a way for developers and publishers alike to help their loyal players to get access to all the additional content that's being created while maintaining their games economies. Player One is fully optional for players and completely respectful of game flow. And for developers, Player One has been proven to drive retention, lifetime value, and additional revenue, all while maintaining monthly active users and reducing churn. Everybody wins with Player One. Gamers unlock immediate rewards, developers enhance the playing experience and generate passive revenue, and brands connect meaningfully with the most passionate audience in media. Visit playerwon.com to see how it works in practice or Get, go to the link in this podcast description below. Now, back to the episode. Sorry for interrupting this podcast, but I got an important message. It's about increasing your game's revenues. I bet your mobile games is ready to find new, untapped audience and a juicy 40% revenue boost. Well, you can achieve global reach and acquire new players with local payment methods and exclusive content and with huge savings on platform fees. After recent events allowing developers to sell virtual items and currencies directly to players with a substantial savings on transaction fees, Exola launched WebShop for mobile games. This timely solution helps you unlock global potential and grow your mobile games beyond the App Store and unite your player community across all devices. Plus, it can also improve discoverability and boost player retention. If you're ready to increase revenue, save on fees, and then regain control over distribution, Exola Web Shop for mobile games can help you succeed. Visit exola.pro slash DOF or go to the link in this podcast description. Now, back to the episode. Um, Samsung just unveiled their smart TV gaming hub. My initial reaction to this was assuming they would actually build like a gaming hub where people would add games to. I feel like they've been burned by this a few times before. That's not the case. All that it is is it allows players to discover and stream video games on select 2022 television models without the need for a console. So it looks like they've teamed up with NVIDIA, Google Stadia, um, uh, PC streaming service Utomic, I haven't heard of them, um, to launch a platform with more partnerships to come. I'm assuming that this could include things like Steam Link, could include things like um, Sony's as well as Xbox. Um, so it just allows you to stream games within your TV. This makes complete sense. It's not going to actually add much to their company, but I think it just makes sense. Yeah. The one, uh, it's, what's strange is the X, xCloud's not on here. Like Yeah, I, I launch, thought that too. Which is really not bizarre. at least the, it says more partners to come. So yeah, but just in negotiation. Again, this, this is exactly like, this is where I disagree with Nuzu, right? Like, Adding this to these Samsung TVs is going to basically be mice nuts. Like no one, no one's going to use this stuff. Like, and if, if I'm, I'm proven wrong, then I'll be proven wrong. But there's just no way that this is like <laughs> interesting from a from an install base or, or activity perspective. Anyway, if any, yeah. But moving on. Um, also, is cloud streaming Amazon Luna 
the GM, Gabby Knight, has now departed for oh, Unity. Uh, so Amazon Luna um, is still in beta plan. I think we covered it a long time ago. Very similar to Stadia. Um, there she'll reignite with the former Luna boss, Mark Witten, um, who actually made a similar switch last year to join Unity Create, uh, which sounds like Unity's metaverse play, um, as SVP and GM. Um, so and Unity, Unity creates the, the just the engine side. It's it's not a new thing. Oh, it's, they just okay. they Sorry. split the company into two business units. Uh, there's Create and the other one, which is Ads, <laughs> basically. Okay. I can't remember. <laughs> no, it's Create and engine and advertising and money. Yeah. On the other yeah, side. Right. Yeah. <laughs> create and monetize. That's good units. Yeah. Um, Animoca, um, crazy tower defense games. Um, are adding basically crypto to existing mobile live games. Uh, so Famous Aspect, which is Ethan Levy's blog, um, who now has the Tokenomics uh, podcast, um, now his blog has gone full on crypto. Like he's changed the subtitle. I'm like, wow, he's, he's, he's posting again. He's active. Um, yeah. And I really like his content. So the, the post this week, um, definitely check it out, especially if you're mobile, was an experiment of two games, Crazy Defense Heroes and Crazy Kings, uh, which are two long-running free-to-play mobile tower defense games, um, now published by Animoca Brands, um, adding crypto to their games post-live, right? Um, so they launched a tower token, which is used to share pay-to-earn pay token across both games, um, creating a prize pool of 1.2 million tower tokens, which is roughly 67,000 prizes uh, in prizes per month, uh, which then can be resold um, as crypto. Um, as like an in-game event. So um, Ethan goes into a lot of great details here on adding sort of an event type structure, uh, rewarding players with crypto. And at least so far, it seems like Apple and Google haven't cracked down on this. So interesting experiment, I think, for a lot of mobile teams to be able to add. Um, and yeah, a fun fact on this too. Uh, you Go ahead, Eric. You, you were part of yeah, that more so than me. Fun, fun fact, I originally did the publishing deal for Crazy Kings, while well, I was working at Wooga, so Wooga published Crazy Kings and then Animoca acquired them. Uh, Crazy Kings and its sequel are developed by Tickbits, which is a Finnish developer out of Turku. Yeah. Yeah, that was a fun city. project. Yeah. Beautiful city of Turku. <laughs> that was a fun project. You know what's really fun is that 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 train ride from Helsinki. It's like four hours or three hours or whatever. No, it's not. It's two hours max. I was, only just, I was just in Turku like a, a week ago. Really? Uh, it's, it it's the former anyway, capital of, of Finland. It felt like four hours because you're going to Because <laughs> it was well, no, so enjoyable. Just... It was like a stroll. <laughs> no, but it's it's really... Let me check this. It is, this is two hours who hates travel. This is the guy who hates traveling in Red Dead Redemption. <laughs> yeah, uh, it felt like that. No, no, no. But it's, it's a really nice train ride because you basically go through like the forest. Mm -hmm. No, you know what? I'm yeah. thinking of Tampere. That's an hour away. My train. That's an hour? Yeah. Let's now, check it. You don't have Hold to double on. check me. Like, I'm, I'm pretty on. good at this. <laughs> that says two hours and 15 minutes. Really? By I train, just yeah. I feel so fast when I travel by train in Finland. So I feel like the. <laughs> Man, I, I remember, though, that the, on the way back, so I was in Turku uh, doing, you know, uh, negotiating with those guys. And on the way back, there was some guy dressed in a suit and he was heading to Helsinki and he was just crushing beers. He drank like eight <laughs> beers. <laughs> Clearly getting ready for a job interview. No, but it was Drinking like confidence. It was like midday. We got there. You know, I think we they arrived at like six p.m. It got wasted. All, all 
so nothing on nothing that you wouldn't see. Was it in summer or? Uh, I think it was, it was in summer, yeah, because it was very yeah. it was very bright out, yeah. So he was just yeah. getting ready you... for a night out in Helsinki, man. <laughs> That's good. Good for him. Um, yeah, and I think the Tickbit founders have left and start up started up a new company. Yeah, uh, I believe so. I believe so. so. I've, uh, they were at the. Uh, the offsite event with Play Ventures, so that's a Play Venture portfolio company nowadays. Uh, anyway, uh, let's let's move on to New Zoom Games Market uh, research uh, or game, Games Market prediction that they said Games Market reached one hundred eighty point three billion in twenty twenty one. So the article uh, New Zoom predicted the global game market would shrink for the first time in years. It forecast a yearly revenue of one hundred seventy five point eight billion. For the for the year, instead it hit 180.3, which is a very tiny growth of about 1.4 percentages. Now, sorry, keep in mind that 2020 was a substantial growth for games, where the market grew by 9.3 percentages, and the decline, or why they predicted the decline, and why the growth hasn't been so large in 2021 was, of course, uh, delays for AAA releases, as well as the supply shortage. Because you couldn't get the new hardware, you know, people missed out on their Steam decks uh, and their PS5s and, and, and the games for PS5. So <laughs> that naturally uh, caused the, uh, uh, the, the growth. You can't have quality. Steam Deck and PS5 in the same <laughs> effing sentence, okay? I just wanted to trigger you. You said that this article wouldn't trigger you anyway. I found at least something. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, that was Deck. my addition of Steam Deck. Anyway, so so what drew the growth? And you kind of when you start analyzing the numbers more, mobile was 52% of all gaming revenues, and it grew 8% in 2021, despite the ATT and the Ragnarok and the IDFA and everything. So revenues kept on growing. Uh, PC, which presents about 20% of the of the gaming market, was actually down by 1%, so essentially the same. But the lack of growth was really due to the browser games going down nearly by 19% year over year. And console, which is 28%, was down 6.6%, and I think this is... Of course, due to the Steam Deck not launching on time, and to some extent, <laughs> so, some extent, maybe because to a lesser of, degree, uh, to a lesser degree, because of PS Five and and the the AAA games being delayed. So um, now, as we know from free to play games, what really drives the growth is new content and not new releases, and this is. I think pretty clearly shown by the market data. So the existing games that had a free to play components were actually growing. Now. I pulled in a little bit of a different set of numbers, uh, focusing only on mobile markets, so that 52%, and actually cut out the, the China, Japan, and Korea. So these are sense of tower numbers. Uh, and cutting out China, Japan, and Korea is basically cutting out the, uh, the outlier and, and the markets that, that Western developers can't really enter. Now, looking at this sort of a westernized uh, market, uh, the downloads on 2020 compared to 2021 were pretty much stable at 53 billion. Uh, and in 2020, they actually the downloads grew by 36%. So it was a crazy year for mobile. Revenue uh, on mobile compared to 2021 uh, grew compared to 2020 grew by 17%, reaching 49 billion. Uh, and a year before, it grew by 20%. So 20% growth in 2020, 70% of growth in Western markets. Um, in 2021. Now, what was very interesting when analyzing these numbers further was the uh, number of games and uh, the number of games in the market store in, in Google Play as well as uh, iOS 
increased and actually hit the all-time high since 2017. But what was really the most interesting part is the number of games entering the market decreased to an all-time low. Uh, we had only 40,000 new games launched, which is the lowest uh, than the previous low, which was 55,000 back in 2012. So the amount of new games entering the mobile games market was like it's, it's, it's been going down and it's now, you know, less than 10 years ago. Um, uh, the top of the market on, on mobile is, is pretty much, um, well, it, the top games uh, comprise 65% of all revenue, where a year ago that was 54. So that, that means that the top 100 makes more today than they did a year ago. And breaking through to the top 100 for a new game that launched went from an average of eight months in 2021, uh, of, in 2020 to six months in 2021. So top 100 made more of overall pie and to get into top 100 became even faster than a year ago. Um, then some, some other stats from here is uh, less games actually broke into top 100. Uh, we had only 30 new games enter top 100 uh, and that was 42 in 2020. And the number of games making 10 million or in net revenue or over in in-app purchases annually grew to an all-time high where it's now 862 and it was 804. So that amount has been actually increasing year over year. Uh, but overall, to kind of summarize it, uh, in 2021, we see a more radical concentration of the market where it's previously the top has been getting wider and wider. And we see less games being launched on mobile and those who reach the top get to the top faster, but there's just less of them. So um, a lot of concentration and partly this can be due to the delays that we had also on mobile. It's, it's very hard to make new games and launch new games, not only due to the lockdowns and people not working together how they've used to, um, but also probably due to the fact that it's not as easy to scale nowadays with the, uh, the ATT. So that's a quick analysis on top of the news analysis. Guys, any, any, anything you want to add? Yeah. I mean, I think that, so the, the growth percentage, I don't know, you can contextualize that against ATT because ATT really only started yeah. impacting, you know, mobile Q3. games and Q, well, yeah. So, so, I mean, you know, you're talking like half the year and there was still kind of like a burn up thing. Um, and, you know, revenues are you know, the, the, like one thing that, you know, I've explained a bunch of times to like kind of public markets investors that are interested in this is like the 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 games that are most impacted by ATT, like they're not really generating quick revenue from acquisition. Right. Like you're buying against like a one year to two year LTV. And so what's happening is that, you know, ATT is making it harder to replace the users that are churning and to grow that monetization base. It's not necessarily immediately, um, you know, deteriorating your revenue, right? Because you've got the monetizing the, the that that monet, that that portion of the DAU that monetizes is small, but they tends to be sticky and compounds, right? That's the whole business model of these types of games. And so, you know, ATT doesn't mean that 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 monetizing base deteriorates like rapidly for any reason. And that's with the casual game, right? Which is not as dependent or it's not as, not as impacted by ATT. It's, it's actually the, the ability to sort of like replace those users that are turning out 
um, and and then you know obviously obviously grow that. And so like the revenue base doesn't immediately just deteriorate, even even though mm -hmm. the DNU might. Yeah, and I would I would make the argument, and would, one of my predictions when we ever do the prediction thing is that we will see decline in revenue for the first time ever in Western markets and as a proxy in the U.S. next year if these trends continue because downloads are um, the predictor of uh, revenue and we're starting to see deterioration of revenue across different genres and that should get worse next year. Um, and so that would be my prediction is that we actually see deceleration on the mobile market um, next year. And because things are going to get worse, not better, right, with Apple and Google. Um, and platforms. So, well, that's the other. So the other big shoe to drop that, like basically, no one's talking about, is you know, Google launches their LAT setting yeah. this year. I mean, they launched it for new Android devices last year, but for existing older Android devices, it gets launched this 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 year, this month, I think. So you're going to start to see a lot of GAIDs uh, or, or a lot of like blank GAIDs, which you know that'll that'll accumulate over time. Just in, in the same way that it did for LAT on Apple, but that's only that only got introduced, or is going to get introduced this this year. I think this quarter, if not this month. So anyway, that's just another. Uh, yeah, bu buckle yeah, up, just... man. Mobile is going to have a rough rough go this year. That's my prediction. Like generally speaking, like, buck, yeah. <laughs> hey, hang in. Do you, not... do you think one? This is kind of an interesting thing to ponder because I don't think we're going to get to my stuff. Uh, we can save it. Um, yeah. But do you, because I've had a lot of people say, well, mobile is doomed because all the best developers are going to Web3. And I don't think that's true. No. What do you guys think? I, 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 I think it's going to be harder to build. Well, let me try to, let me rephrase this. I, I think it's going to be a challenge to get to scale teams in mobile, just in general. I just don't think it's as sexy as it used to be. Right. And Web3 is definitely, and the metaverse stuff, don't like discount that. Like. I think that's far more interesting and there's far more money chasing that and people are building teams. So you'll get some of the better people moving over there. Um, and uh, sorry, I've been thinking about this a little bit and I, and, I, and I should probably, maybe we'll do it next time, like just to think, to get, think it through a little more. It's like the one thing with console, like we made the same argument is that when mobile came, the console development would go to, go to shit, right? People are making that argument all the time. The difference is, is that console people love console games. Like they love working on AAA, high production value, story-based, et cetera, like that, that, those type of traditional games. And so they stick it out because that's, you know, the best place to do that is at Call of Duty or whatever, you know, Blizzard back in the day or whatever. Um, I don't think people have as much loyalty to mobile free-to-play <laughs> as they do to traditional console development, right? So they'll go where the opportunities are and where the interests are and if it's metaverse or 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 um, or you know blockchain stuff, you know NFT stuff, then 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 there's they're more of a flight risk. Does that make sense? But are we just talking about like general revenue this year? Or are we talking really just about talent migration? Because like yeah, I, I think talent, mig talent migration will happen because yeah, Web three right now has inflated um, uh, raises, which then means that they're they are offering a lot more money than if you work in mobile free to play right now. Um, but I think a lot of people going over there just see how a lot of that space has not been established, right? Versus mobile, live, those live games, those, that talent might move off, but there will be plenty of talent to move back in and to continue to generate that revenue. So I, I think those live services on mobile will still be pretty resilient. Of course, they just face more headwinds from IDFA this year.
Yeah, but I'm talking about like new game development, right? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like but, but how much up... of the growth of mobile is based on new game development right now? Right, but that was his question. His question is, do people move from one to the other? Like, I, the... yeah, I, my sense is, I, and I have not seen, you know, I have not seen this. I've seen, I haven't, I've not seen a big exodus out of mobile into like Web three. I mean, I, 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 I've, what I have seen is a lot of people moving in to Web three gaming from outside of gaming which is what makes me generally skeptical to pessimistic yeah, about Web3 gaming, yeah, right? Yeah. So I've seen, you know, you get a lot of people that are just like, oh, I'll make a, you know, I want to make crypto stuff. I like crypto. I want to make Web3 stuff. Uh, it sounds pretty cool. Well, what's the best pathway to like a huge TAM? Oh, games. That's pretty easy. Mm -hmm. Games are easy to make. I played Candy Crush. And then they try to make a game and, it, and they realize yeah. it's, it's very, very difficult. But I haven't seen any teams. I, I don't think I've seen people say like, no, I'm out of mobile. I'm going to Web3. I haven't seen that happen. No, I've yeah. seen that with mobile free-to-play designers. Yeah, really. And getting and mainly because of the money, just how much more money yeah. um, they'll receive on the other end on Web three. Well, how, but I is mean, that true? Because if you're working yeah, on a successful many, mobile game, yeah. But the question is, how many actual startups are building free-to-play mobile games right now? Right. I mean, like, there's just not that many anymore. The majority yeah, of the all the funding, if you look at the dollars, are all going towards Web three or metaverse shit. You know. Um, yeah. And I don't want to get too anecdotal, but like, it's like, but, but, but that's where the dollars are and that's where people are going to go. Right. Cause that's where they're going to get the potentially the most upside, particularly younger developers who, you know, out of school, they just want, you know, or. Yeah. So I guess in terms of the talent migration, it's not necessarily happening at the top level that you're seeing Eric, which is like the key people that are working on these live services are obviously going to be locked up based on money, but some of the say lower tier talent. Um, especially kids coming out of school, right? Like if they're giving two different offers, one is in crypto, one is in mobile free-to-play, they're getting way more money on Web3 and it's a wide open space, they might more likely to go that direction. Are they getting more money though? Like why, why would they get more money? Like if you go to some, you know, newly opened startup that, yeah, maybe they raise some humongous round. But honestly, I think the headline numbers that we see are not generally indicative, I think, of the of of like a differential between the valuations of like these web three games companies and mobile games companies not, not at the top put aside the top put aside the rec rooms put aside the uh dapper labs you know if you just looked at because i've seen a lot of like i've seen a lot of web three gaming companies raising and they're raising at like normal-ish valuations you know or they're raising like normal amounts of money i'm not seeing it's not like every web three gaming company is raising at a $200 million valuation for a seed or something like that's, 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 you're seeing the headlines are, are extraordinary, you know, because they don't happen that often. It's, it's, it's so like what I'm seeing is like the, the, the stuff that flies under the radar, the company's getting funded. Now it's like two, three people. They've got an, a, a, an idea. Maybe they've got a prototype. They're still raising at pretty normal valuations that a, a mobile gaming company could raise that. Now, maybe there's a little bit of a differential be, between like, Oh, it's web three. So it's really exciting versus like, well, this guy's, you know, this, this, this exec team is like very, um, you know, you know, has a lot of experience. And so we're willing to give them a higher evaluation, but I, I don't, anyway, I, I guess my point is I'm not seeing this, this like across the board blanket, you know, uh, premium on, on web three companies in terms of what they're raising at. I've seen that the, the valuations are pretty similar, like teams that could make a mobile free play game deciding to go web three and their valuation is probably the same, uh, as whichever side they would have chosen. Yeah, it's just the, uh, they get the money faster, and I think they get a little bit bigger seed rounds and, and so forth. So um, that's, that's what I'm seeing. It's like you can raise way much more on a presentation for a blockchain or a Web3 project 
uh, compared to what you would need to do to raise against a mobile game. And um, like anecdotally, just just being in an event like Slush, it was <clears throat> it was like almost all blockchain. Like everything that I saw was was all blockchain. Just talking to some of the investors, they were saying that the uh, the pitches that they, that are coming in have gone from like mostly mobile inside a couple of months to like 85% being blockchain to Web3. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't, like, that doesn't surprise most me. Radi- just most radical shift that any of the investors have seen in the shortest amount of time. Well, I mean, we'll have to see if that's sustained though. That that feels yeah. like just yeah, reacting. I know, and then the market does a, some kind of a correction and that, you know, there's a correction coming. Like everything is inflated. So when that hits let's see where where the uh where the blockchain gaming is and and uh, i think that that should normalize i i i i mean no offense mishka and mr joseph i just uh, being a mobile game developer first right now just seems like it's gonna be a huge challenge it's like, um like like i don't know about joseph uh we're definitely in the cross-platforms uh, approach yeah. just it, you have to you have to kind of then the tools that we have are, are essential for for cross-platform development but but anyways like like Talking to to other people who are launching on different platforms, they still keep saying that despite being on multiple different platforms, starting off with mobile has been beneficial for for them. But on the other hand, we've seen a lot of new games being launched. And yes, they go Android first uh, for soft launch. Uh, But also what has been happening is that they have their PC SKU at the same time, even in soft launch. So that's been pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, I I think with mobile, you still got a massive audience you've got a proven distribution mechanic uh the app store you've still got a path to market right a path to scaling which is ads right i mean the business yeah it's not new and exciting anymore but it's proven right and like with web3 i mean it's just a massive gamble and and a lot Mm -hmm. of the infrastructure just isn't there yet right like not every there was a the the one of the actually guys yesterday was like someone had done some analysis of actually you got to focus on new user acquisition like the user base is declining <laughs> and you know, you're not so, and like he had some analysis of it. I, I didn't, I didn't read it very closely, but his, his takeaway, cause someone just tagged me in it. And his takeaway was you've got to focus on new user acquisition. If you don't keep bringing new people in, the economy is going to collapse. And the guy was like, now nah, we don't need new app, new user acquisition. Cause we're going to launch the new game soon. And it was like, it was like, I've heard that before. That's what oh people said in 2012. Dude, I'll just launch it. And that was like a total Zynga thing. Yeah, yeah exactly. And I was like, okay, well, they still don't have that business model is not proved. And and also, I mean, there's no real distribution platform. Axie is Axie because it was first. It was the biggest new it was the new thing. It was a first mover advantage situation. I don't even know if that's gonna sort of benefit, like, you know, provide some sort of halo effect on the newest game. Maybe it won't. Yeah, and to your point, like the fact is that it's still on a numbers basis, the amount of people that are in in like building web three is still tiny compared to mobile and console and pc right so i don't know what those numbers are but i mean it's just minuscule so it's a more of a shift than it is a a replacement so we'll we'll, yeah. we'll see and I, i'll i'll do a little bit more digging on this but well you know i i just want to say and I, i'm not trying to throw shade again but rec room raising 145 million dollars right so i'm assuming someone cashed out of that in that round oh, right bigly yeah bigly. okay but but <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think they could spend that money if they tried, right? Like that's a lot of goddamn money for that small little team, you know? And so, um, but anyway, so it's like, how much can they actually scale and pull people away is the question, right? Um, even with that yeah. kind of money. 
Well, they've been they've been pulling you know good people like we mentioned Mike Schmidt Brian Sapp it's like yeah yeah, yeah strong but, people from from mobile right. side so I don't know we'll see how it all evolves but I am I'm getting more and more worried about mobile these days uh that, that's like a big problem I think in 2022 but we'll see oh, I guess it's no not to it, it, your we can, we can fortress end. thing is I don't think it's gonna help dude that's what I think I think uh no, well no but that's why now that's why like if you're an experienced team um and you just want to cash out. You could do that quickly in mobile right now. I think if you spun up a team of like, uh, you know, a couple of, you know, seasoned vets, you, you got to soft launch, the game looked promising, you could sell the studio quickly. Because uh-huh. because of the content fortress, you know, sort of undercurrent, like everyone, you're just going to get, people are just trying to acquire content right now. And like, there aren't that many gaming studios that are like ascendant, like startups, right? That just doesn't really exist anymore, right? So it's, it's, it's totally a seller's market. I think if you wanted like, the, the, the best possible pathway to just like a, a, a sizable exit for yourself, but not necessarily like, uh, you know, on a, on a sort of, uh, you know, kind of headline basis, spin up a mobile gaming studio with a, with a handful of execs, uh, a handful of like seasoned execs, get to a soft launch phase, have some numbers that look pretty good. And you, I think you can exit for, you know, a number that would be very meaningful to you personally. Or you could make four, $3.5 billion in a year, like Rec Room, who is like literally on the verge of like falling apart because their strategy on VR was a disaster, right? And now they're worth 3.5 billion, right? Because they're part of the metaverse. <laughs> yeah, know? well, yeah, but again, like who knows, does that, does that money ever like materialize or is it just I, a number, I, right? you know, Who knows, but like, anyway, I, I, I hear what you're saying. You're right, you're right. Um, I just don't know if people are actually doing that. So it'll be interesting to see um, what new games come out and scale this year, because last year was horrific. Right in terms of the new games that came out and and scale, it was like two games. <laughs> you know, it's like crazy, dude. Um, so, uh, all right, I gotta go. Um, Same. But, uh, this was long, despite not having any news. Like we <laughs> we went full hours just riffing on COVID and and like whatever. Just, let's see what the feedback is on this one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so everybody, please keep uh, keep sending the feedback and and if you're in deconstructive Slack chat deconstructor of fun slack channel which um, a lot of people are applying to but please remember it's it's for senior people in the game so a lot and and people in game specifically anyways if you're there keep dropping the other uh, feedback and the dms and keep tweeting at eric suford and keep sending <laughs> i don't know what kind of a what kind right, of a stop talking and stop this thing okay bye-bye <laughs> all right bye. bye-bye everybody bye <laughs>